Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host, Adil Kirchi, and this week I've been joined by Niall McGowan. Oh, well, I'm very happy to be out, to be out here on this uh, lovely sun-kissed dock. Um, yes, that's right. We are on Minute 15. Uh, that is, of course, uh, 1401 to 1459. Wait, 1401, Adil. That is time code 1400 to 1459. Um, we are in the middle of, of people all joining each other at the dock, and we start with Birdie, arms open, in a tuck-tuck-like thing, arriving, uh, and immediately rushing towards people um, with a nice swell of music and letting her bags be picked up and uh, basically speaking. Oh my god! We can't hug, right? I mean, can we? I just want to hug everybody. Did you just stay at the hotel last night? I didn't see you. No, Bernie, we clearly just arrived. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, Benoit seeing Bertie, and we all find out that they now they all know he's been called Stranger Danger, and then it's clear that um, Benoit Blanc is now recognized. Uh, but you, hello, Stranger Danger. Mr. Blanc! You are Stranger Danger? No, no. And they sort of know him through some ballerina case. Mm. Uh, and then they're talking. We have some notion of social distance. That's fine, because I don't even know what that means. Wait a second. Benoit Blanc? Oh, my God. Are you Benoit Blanc, the detective? Did you solve the murder of, oh, what's your name? That, um, the, the belly dancer with the thing and the thing. That's... And he's very in, in, clearly... Uh, enamored with Bertie J and that's and he's like this gathering is like you it is <laughs> in the flesh <laughs> I'm obviously familiar with you all as well governor dr. Tucson very interesting or whatever right and that's yeah. it it's what just a, a, like a recap what an extraordinary gathering that's a, that's the words yeah. yeah it's a great it's a great moment to end the week on actually that just seeing like this, yeah, exactly. this new cast of characters and them just stating miss Bertie J what an extraordinary gathering these very famous weirdos together <laughs> but yeah yeah it's uh yeah I, I i really love this minute particularly too uh and it's really we saw a little bit of her back in like what minute one but it's it's so kate hudson's minute uh i'm so happy to see her um i believe actually during um as again mentioned in minute one uh or say minute one minute 11 uh for minute one of this week uh you know the the how to lose a guy in ten days? The project that our illustrious producer Darren uh, put together in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Minutes, um, and it being a kind of reunion between Catherine Hahn and Kate Hudson in this movie. Uh, but I believe it we recorded for that uh, show way back when, um, because Kate Hudson was always so famously paired with Matthew McConaughey. At uh, that time, mm. it was like the height of the McConaissance, where Matthew McConaughey had just like become this like, re- really revered actor who only did like amazing projects and stuff um and we were going like why isn't kate hudson like i i i love kate hudson I'm almost famous is one of my favorite films i was like she's so great in that in that film in particular and then she went into just kind of making a lot of crap for a while uh like a long long while uh and we were always going like when's the hudson naissance going to occur uh and you can see she's she's trying now um it's, there was an attempt to that that movie um music that came out, the Sia directed, 
which I think on paper probably seemed like a great project for Kate Hudson, like I'm the mother of like an autistic child, and this is going to be this really creative, strange film, and then the world turned against it because they just found it more horrifically offensive than anything. Um, but she's made things like uh, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon that came out there recently, which was from uh, uh, Anna Lily Amapur, who did, you know, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and stuff, great sort of uh, Israel um, director. Uh, really just cool. You know, Amapur films are all just very cool. Uh, and so Hudson's like attached herself to that as well. You can see now her more recent work. She's trying to get into more interesting projects and you know get into something like Knives Out as well. There's something with like uh, with some acclaim behind it. I'm happy to see like the 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 Hudson star appears to be rising uh, once more because I think she's a she's a great screen presence and uh, very underappreciated. So, uh, but are you a big uh, Kate Hudson fan, Adil? Or are you like I hate her and I hate everything oh, she represents? I, I'm a I'm a big fan. Um, I think when she's given the chance, she really excels. She just was put in a box for a while, and she gets the, the roles like this. Like she's you know, the, the Birdie J is like a it's a role tailor made for her. Really, like she's so so good. Um, mm-hmm. Just even in this minute in particular, like her, her greeting of everyone of like falling out of the tuk-tuk, the arms widespread, again now knowing that it's a pandemic-era movie. is Yeah. Someone who just lives in her own celebrity bubble. She was having a full-on hedonistic house party when we were to well, I was gonna. Yeah, so that's what I meant, um, I think, last minute when I was like, this is the this sequence of uh, rivals is such a is, is a lovely we're in the situation the move like the main plot is going the table settings over but here's a quick reminder of who everyone is and it's like she said had this hedonistic party and she's like it's fine because they're all in my bubble my bubble is like what 60 people or 50 people or yeah. whatever. um and and just the like the way kate hudson can like sit with her leg out and her arms outstretched in this tuck tuck arriving just immediately reminds you this woman no shits about covid yeah. and protections and doesn't even think about it as a thing right yeah i love it's not she's like I, I it's not like she's made a mental calculation of i value this more than that um like connection with people more than safety she just doesn't think no no she's completely self-involved and just completely in the, the, the you know just does not care <laughs> about any of it doesn't seem to because again now she's got so much so much wealth and so much power um that it doesn't seem to like, oh, that doesn't affect me. Like, I'm fine. Who cares? Like, I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, and yeah, a lot, even too, like, she gives a kind of arbitrary, um, like, a, a lip service to the idea of, like, oh, you're supposed to keep social Because the way she approaches everyone, she's like, oh, can I hug people? Can, can't we just hug? Like, she really, like, she's going, I know we're not supposed to, but I really, really want to anyway. Um, Again, too, it feels like she's only saying it because it's supposed to be like the polite thing to say uh, in the circumstances. And then, of course, Lionel's is like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and just has the, the elbow. Elbows, 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 right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is one of the main sights I will take away, take to my grave of the pandemic was just Boris Johnson going around doing that elbow thing to everybody. Because um, it really was like, wow, what a, what a time you're living in where the, this, this, this guy is the, this guy is the prime minister and he's having to go around bumping elbows with people in order to say hello. Um, but yeah, it's also though just what uh, Birdie's wearing is, uh, th- th- I thought this was ingenious that again, she's playing lip service to 
the idea of, oh, you're supposed to be careful during this pandemic. And so she's wearing a mask. But her mask is a very, like, flimsy, like, sort of widely spread out chain mail just sort of draped across her face, which would provide no protection whatsoever. It's literally like she's just wearing, like, a little bit of metal draped across her face. Um, and... Like, you can fully, she's just, yeah, might as well just not have it on. Not only that, yeah. it's it's a style choice. It's more like, well, pandemic, but make it fashion kind of thing. Uh, and also the fact, too, that it's just kind of under her nose as well, which is all, one of the big things of the pandemic was people not knowing how to wear the masks properly. So she's doing literally everything wrong in terms of actually trying to, um, you know, mask up, and uh, I, I love it. I think it's just an, an ingenious, uh, an ingenious touch by the the costume department. It's like it's like got the spread and thinness of like chicken wire almost, but it's obviously gold, right? It's just so barely a thing. Yeah, yeah. That like if you were like only partly paying attention, um, you would just miss that she was wearing a mask at all. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> you know in the way that we were talking uh, in a previous episode about how like most people saw it on Netflix yeah. versus at the theater. It's a uh, yes yeah, only meaning when she go, she sort of steps into the foreground when the about second twenty six or so when she's talking to Blanc you really get to seeing like that that, that that's what it is but yeah there could have been you know I wonder what, what the discussion was or what even was in the original script of that had noted that like Birdie isn't wearing a mask at all that could just be the thing where it's like she shows up. Just doesn't care. Doesn't even have one on. But I think it's even better that she has so somehow has gotten through to her that you're supposed to do this thing because it's like maybe she interprets it as like, well, that's what everyone's doing, rather than it being a safety thing. It's like, well, this is like the trend, I guess, um, to wear these masks. But then to actually like it just to be an aesthetic choice for her and one that functionally does not actually serve the function of the mask and stuff. It's uh. Oh, that just I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, and um, I think it's such a clever bit of costuming, like you said, because it shows just how she's one of those people who's like, I guess I have to follow the rules, but f- it, oh, yeah, but shoot, but just don't do it, right? But also in in that first shot of her in the tuk tuk, right, with her arms spread out, uh, because it's a wider shot of her in a vehicle, you just can't see she's wearing anything, and so you get that sense of. Oh, she's not wearing a mask. Mm. And then it's like compounded by, oh, she's wearing a fake mask. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's such a great, like, it gives just that extra. Li- this is what I've been saying about like those little details that just give so much nuance. Right. It's not that she just said, it shows the characters like, I'm aware of what I'm supposed to do, but I don't care enough to do it right. Mm. But I'll. Do the lip service in the same way when she's like talks about the hugs, right? Yeah, yeah. And like you, they could easily just have had her not wear a mask. Mm. Instead, we got the feeling of her not wearing a mask for that like ride up, and then we see, oh no, there's like uh, there's this like ridiculous depth to the, her opinion and approach to this. Like, I won't get in trouble, but I'm definitely not wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of those things like, oh, she's not wearing a mask. Oh, somehow it's even worse <laughs> than that. Um, and also, too, we should have mentioned, um, so I guess it kind of blends between the two minutes, but in the Tuk Tuk uh, behind her, I don't know if we can name the character yet, but you do see uh, Jessica Henwick. Um, and again, just Birdie's treatment of her staff in that, like, she has her feet up by the Tuk driver's head, uh, and the mm-hmm. way she sprawled across the thing. And then 
behind all these bags, you could just see like a human head popping out of uh, of, of um, Peg, and um, just the entire scene. Then this is like, unless you're looking in the, unless you can tear your eyes away from the big plumage of Birdie J, who just takes up every room she walks into, uh, you'll notice that yes, there's a there's a person there struggling with her bags and like actively like straining at every given second um and only the only person to kind of take her on is is lionel um and uh yeah yeah just uh just love that too and um i think is this this is this the first minute with jessica jessica henwick or did, was she at the party she was at the party she because she took they talked about taking away her phone oh of course of course that's right that's right yeah yeah um of course, and I heard becoming another of uh, Ryan Johnson's sort of um, sort of entourage regular stable. Yeah, yeah, it was in the Last Jedi, made a bit of an impact there because I remember I remember a lot of chatter about her. People really took to that character, uh, and then uh, yeah, and then I just remember like I didn't care for the Matrix Resurrections, but I loved her hair in it. So uh, mm. <laughs> that was my big takeaway from that movie. I was like, oh, the girl, very, the girl with the cool very hair. Fair. Um, and yeah, I'm just happy again to see her pop up here. It's like, oh, this lady's becoming a thing. I'm, I'm uh, good for her. I think I kind of like it's such a interesting minute, but also very I don't straightforward in a good way, right? It's doing exactly what we said. It's just doing it so well that like I don't, um, you know. Um, I guess I will say the it's interesting that we didn't quite touch on it, but like the way we they find out it's Benoit is because the driver is. I think his name is Nikos, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. He says he says something to Benoit, and he's like, it's fine, Nikos. And then that's where Lionel's like, wait, Benoit Blanc, right? Mm. Um, and Nikos is just this, the driver, etc. And so um, what I like about that is um, it establishes some interaction that, um, like, um, Benoit might have been early, but, like, he, he probably, maybe he, like, maybe he, there was an arrangement of taking, of travel, Somehow he got in contact with this guy, um, and that's why he knows what's going on, and he knows him, and, like, I don't know, I thought it was an interesting touch of grounding Benoit, not as this, like, like in the, in the, in the travel, like, because we didn't see him get there, mm. and it sort of felt like he was there and everyone was coming at him, that, like, interchange is like right so he got here somehow interacted with this guy in the same way yeah this guy who we're not sure does he work for the dock does he work for miles we're not sure but like he's involved with this particular dock in this particular situation with these people and and benoit is like part of that arrival in a way that like i think is really important earlier right in the minutes to establish him as like like him waiting yeah yeah for the for the film to sort of come to him and then to just sort of have that quick dialogue change that not only um puts him in the same sort of state as them because he got the invitation and he's arrived but also is the mechanism to even though he's masked to get people to be like oh wait it's you Mm. you're the world famous detective yeah what are you doing here yeah i think it's just such a smart like exchange it's just again though just uh, um it conveys to like again about character in that uh birdie doesn't take on her driver doesn't take on peg but uh benoit and she's a big celebrity but benoit blanc is also a big celebrity to these people he's known to like the general public 
And he does talk to the help. And he does, you know, sort of have a, a rapport with people. Again, we saw from Knives Out, his whole thing was helping out Marta, you know, who was just like the maid, basically. Uh, or not the maid, but like the, you know, the uh, care assistant to um, Christopher Plummer, was it? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just I love that as a, uh, as a touch too. One thing I was really curious about, actually, at the end of the minute, um, in that regard, is like, as he's saying hello to everyone, and again, he's very humble. He takes off the hat. was like, yes, it is me. Yes, you know, this doesn't make a big deal of it kind of thing. Um, the way he says to, like, to Birdie, he goes like, oh, and Miss Birdie J. As if he has genuine reverence for her. And I was really curious as to, like, is Benoit Blanc sitting around, you know, soaking up the stuff that Birdie J is releasing? Or is is this part of a play that he's doing? Like, well, I can tell this character loves to be sort of bigged up so to give her you have to give her this kind of greeting because that's what that, that'll get you in good with her is to like yeah to make sure that you think that oh i adore you kind of thing because that's the way she's used to be treated that's like that's actually a quite a nuanced take on that. I, I didn't think about um him playing into her predilections mm. um so they do have like of course later on in the movie he has the whole like one of the most famous moments from the whole movie. Can't touch upon the minute because it's not our minute, but his, he has it. Well, 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 why don't we why don't we pause on that? Because uh, as it's Friday, uh, we do get to have a chunk of time to talk about spoilies. Oh, okay, okay. Um, um so we'll we'll have a short period um, where we talk generally about the film, and so you can maybe we can start with the thing you want to say now, if we remember. Well, just. Uh, but I, I I mean let's make sure we want to. That's a, the last segment. So let's. Is there like, I'm happy to keep talking about the minute for a bit if you want. Oh yeah, no, oh totally, totally, yeah. Um, what, what the other big thing I want to, uh, this again, again, mask related, but it's um, mm. it's a very specific detail of like a thing that everyone recognizes having just lived through a pandemic. I don't know if anyone would have put in this detail uh, prior to it, uh, as when, um. Catherine Hans talking about like, oh Ben didn't you do that uh, the ballerina case? And her mask is also just slipping down her face and her nose is out over the top of it. And this was just the big thing that it, it, it became apparent to the world. Like, oh people don't know how to wear these things. Well, yeah, I was mentioning that earlier, right? The 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 like um when we were talking about um her like I think we think it's the change, the bill, that you just like Oh, my arms are full. I'll pull down the mask, put it in my mouth, get out of the cab. Yeah, yeah. And um, we're talking about how like people often like do the um, pull down to be heard thing, and this is like a, I'm not even paying attention to it slipping, and she's speaking emphatically, and it's moving further down her face, yeah. and so <laughs> such a good like. She's also like it's a shot of like she's in the foreground. We've got Birdie framed behind her. Her whole hat is in frame, luckily, and she's you can still see the details of her like metal mask thing mm. and lionel is at a safe distance but behind him we see uh, jessica henwick's character right like holding dresses up so they don't drag and trying yeah. to like wrangle all of the things yeah and it's, yeah uh like if you pause it like i think it's like four four three ish like you just it's such a good frame and you and then that sequence the the mask just gets drops more and more because she's speaking emphatically and it's it's hooked on her chin funny yeah. and it's like it's so textbook that right <laughs> yeah it, it is it's um i'm assuming i'm hoping darren uses this like the, the still 
for, for like the, the still for the minute uh, of them. Oh yeah, that'd be cause, great. Yeah, because it's just like even yeah, as you said too, the way that um, Jessica, Jessica Hendricks holding the dress, she's like, sitting down, but she has to like hold her arm up to make sure that because you know in the past she's probably sat down and like crumpled the dress or something, and there was like a minor a big deal, yeah, some minor thing happened to it. And Birdie blew up at her, so now she knows that, like, okay, I gotta sit and make sure that this that this thing, like, I'm desperate to sit down, but I'll have to make sure that this thing does not get even slightly, not even damaged, it just gets slightly wrinkled, because I know it'll be just a massive, massive problem for me. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's just uh, fantastic, fantastic, uh, yeah, body language acting. Um, and uh, I, uh, there's a moment though where Catherine Hans in the middle of her thing, you can kind of see her like elongate her jaw a little bit in order to get the mask down for comedic purposes but it's like okay i mean you know that's just a thing you have to do it's just only when you're looking at it minute by minute do you notice uh, little things like that um that's one of my few beats with the movie actually and i think it's probably just in terms of like the um when the when things were in production is that um katherine hans kind of wasted in the whole movie like she doesn't, she doesn't get many memorable moments. Like this is kind of like some of her most memorable stuff happening now, um, which is a shame because she had like post WandaVision, it became like everyone loved Catherine Hahn. Like she was like the big revelation of that show. It, people loved her before. She was always a well, you know well liked and constantly working actress. Uh, but this, then to have this thing where like Marvel gave her own friggin' TV show after WandaVision because they loved her so much. Uh, then to then have like well she's in Glass Onion. You know, I think if you know, it it feels like her part should have more to do, but she's mm. yeah. I just I I kind of felt that she was um, yeah, underused. Yeah, just underutilized. Yeah, considering too that she's such a comedic talent that like you get little great little moments like the mask coming down here. There it is. But then the rest of the movie is like yeah, there's some. Um, I, just, I, I I wish that they had sort of utilized the fact that like we got this lady here, you know, for more, uh, for more of it, but um. Because again, you know, the, you know, the, she, she could have played a Birdie J as well. Like I can imagine her. Uh, Kate Hudson's perfect in the part, but I can imagine, I can imagine Catherine Hahn would have, would have really, she would have glommed onto that role as well. But um, I don't know. But what do you think? Did, were you, were you happy with her, her presence in the movie? Or do you feel that she was lacking in any way? I suspect. Um, so one, I love Catherine Hahn. I'd love to see more of her in general. So when you say happy with, I mean, like I was happy with what I saw her in, but I'd love to if she had a bigger role. Um, I think I, so what I was saying is I suspect, I wouldn't be surprised if the script had a lot more breadth for all the characters and then they just like found the right through lines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, like I think, well, actually, um, let's. Spoiler alert, <laughs> now, um, because we could talk a little more freely, so if you don't want to hear this, uh, hop to the plugs. Standard scene, most of which falls from yesterday, so we're going to do our wrap-up, and then we're going to do a thicker spoilery section. So, yeah. um, in that vein, uh, let's say thanks, Niall, uh, for being here this week. It was a pleasure talking with you. Um, do you have anything to plug? Uh, yeah, I'll just plug uh, both my shows, I guess, again. Uh, both Bat Minutes and um, Miami Minutes. Uh, both minute-by-minute minute podcasts. One 
five seasons deep now, currently, uh, uh, with Batman. We're currently on Mask of the Phantasm. We've done all the live-action movies from 89 up to 97, uh, the 90s era of Batman. So that's all completed. Uh, we also have a lot of um, great hiatus episodes uh, in between seasons. I really loved, loved some of them. Some of my favorite episodes of the hiatus episodes, uh, wherein we looked at like all the movies of Prince, because obviously he did the 89 soundtrack. Uh, we did a great uh, review of Mars Attacks. We looked, um, just prior to coming back, we did a, a great review with our friend uh, Alison Grimm of um, uh, Joel Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera, uh, which was an experience because I was ready to be like, oh, I can't wait to dig into this piece of crap. And now I'm, I'm here to sell you Joel Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera. Not that bad. Um, hot take. Uh, but then, so that's all available, uh, you know, apart from the main show. And then, of course, uh, Miami Minutes is, of course, on its first season, because there's only one season, because they never got to make anything else after they made Miami Connection. Uh, and that is uh, currently airing about minutes. Oh, doesn't matter. Date the show even more to say specifically what minute we're on uh, currently. But um, both of them are events. Uh, if you just go into Google and type in Bat Minutes or Miami Minutes, you will pop up on your favorite podcatchers. We should also pop up by simply entering in, in the name. Uh, and uh, yeah, all social medias. We're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. We have the uh, Miami Minutes Taekwondo Orphanage is on Facebook, and then the Batman Listeners Cave is also on Facebook. Um, and I'm I'm assured that we have like tumblers and things like this, but this is all that's more my co-host department. John set up all that stuff, and I've been told that we have like a presence on Grinder and things like that, but uh, I've I've yet to dip into it myself. But yeah. It's uh, it's out there, I guess. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, Adil, and thanks for having me, Darren. So, uh, very happy to come on and talk about this fantastic film. Yeah, and you can reach us at Glass Onion Men, all one word. Please rate, review, and subscribe um, on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, this time, I'm going to suggest find your favorite minute of this podcast. And do a short episode about that minute and make that podcast and encourage people to rate, review, and subscribe this podcast on your outro of that podcast. Uh, if you like my kind of in bizarre insanity, you can find me on the Tanked Up podcast um, at Tanked Up Cast on Twitter. We're at outoflives.net, and it is a craft beer and video game podcast. And so I won't quite say goodbye because now that we've wrapped up, we're going to go straight to Spoiler Town. Welcome to Spoiler Town. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with the Catherine Hong thing, uh, which uh, you asked me, uh, Niall, what I, um, what I thought of her participation. I was saying, I think, like, so what I wanted to avoid was I think... Potentially, it was like versions of the script with more t- time play for more people, but be- with Duke got a lot more time than say, right? Uh, and I think just because of the nature of his role in the end of the film, right, uh, of being the uh, glass-switched um, pineapple juice affair. Yeah, yeah. Um, that we just, the screen time of the ebbs and flows of what we know or we think we know he's witnessing etc was more important and just for it was already quite a long movie yeah yeah it is yeah it is quite substantially like it's like two and a half hours or thereabouts it's like it's a it's a hefty old chunk yeah right so it's like uh 
I think you can only do so much, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, like, her and Lionel are the, like, they're kind of primarily to reveal that they're making bad decisions for Miles, but also are worried about the magic fuel, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's as much function as she needs to get time for. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's, just, it's unfortunate, though, to have such a sort of esteemed performer be like, well, you know, it's a it's a B part. <laughs> but, you know, it's um, not not everyone can be the star of the ensemble, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's the nature of the, uh, especially the star-studded ensemble cast, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, I'm not too sure, like, what, because the freeform spoiler talks, like, what, what else do we talk about? Uh Like what? What? What was your um? What was your opinion of like the the Janelle Monet twist? Did you think like I think that broke a lot of people? Where they're like, oh, what? Come on, twins! What the hell, man? <laughs> like it's like well, I think it makes it's like a, such a wonderful tropey thing. Mm. Um, but also I think it plays into just how superficial their friendships were. I think it works because. They were all in a space together. They all wanted to be successful, but they weren't really in tune with each other. So, like, they barely knew she had a sister, let alone a twin, right? Yeah. That's. I think it actually did, helps solidify that the style of relationships that are on display, mm. which are sort of the kind of the focus of the film. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, no, no. But I actually I loved it myself. I just thought it was terrific. I remember there was someone online. There was like a viral review going around. I think it was by like Ben Shapiro or someone was giving out about like, um, was, oh yeah, I remember something. Like that. Yeah, it was giving out about the twist and how about like how poorly written the whole film was, and it was basically saying like they lead you th- throughout the entire thing, and you know are just like setting up that this is the way things work, and then halfway through they just go no that's not what, what was happening at all and now you have to completely change your mind about what all the stuff that you saw and this is terrible it's like have you never encountered a twist before in your life man like that's the whole point of it that's what makes it so yeah. genius is that now when you look back I'm on gonna... it it's just like all those things all the stuff we had to talk about earlier this week wherein where she's uh janelle Monáe is destroying the box it's like it's it there it's able to it conveys so much about the version of the character we think we're watching, and then it also says a lot about the version of the character that we then know we're watching on the back half of the film and stuff. It's uh, it's fantastically well done. Yeah. So let me just read the the thread just if uh, just save our listeners a uh, like digging it up. If you're curious, it's December 6, 2022, 12:50 p.m. at Ben Shapiro. Can't believe I said that out loud. <laughs> uh, and it, uh, I regret to inform you that Glass Onion is actively bad. I will discuss first the actual writing of the movie, followed by the politics of it. Both suck. Spoilers follow. First, the writing. The first half of the movie is a complete misdirect and a waste of time. We only find out about the actual murder we're supposed to investigate a full one hour and ten minutes into the film, as well as an entirely new backstory. Bracket, Miles never invented, invited Blanc, and Andy has a twin sister masquerading as her. Bracket. We're actively deceived by the writer. Why the misdirect? Because the story itself, in its purest form of incredible laziness... Sorry. Why the misdirect? Because the story itself, in the purest form of incredible laziness... No, I read it right. It's just not real words. No, no. It relies on not one, not two, but three bad writing trips, an identical twin, a comprehensive journal, and a moron of a murderer. You can write your way out of literally any scenario given an identical twin, bracket, which removes the need for linear coherence, bracket... A comprehensive journal, bracket, which explains everything, bracket, and a moron for a murderer, which removes the necessary 
necessity of plot logic. So instead we get an hour of wasted time because we have to make up for the fact that the murder is perfectly obvious from moment one. Ryan Johnson actually knows this. That's why by the end he's telling the audience via blank that everything Miles Braun done is dumb. Read the entire plot of the film. This is lazy writers why out. You know what you've written is bad, so you just say it's bad. And hey, look, now you're clever and cynical. For more on this and many more of Johnson's giant failures, check out this excellent review. And who cares? Yeah. I'm not going to go into the politics side. That's enough, no, right? No, 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 uh, it's just... Yeah, yeah. Although, although, ironically, it brings up the well, the images from the movie that became uh, a meme. The Bertie J and uh, Blanc uh, interchange of like, oh my God, it's so dumb. But so dumb that it's genius. No, it's just dumb. <laughs> like... Um, just brought to mind what he was saying there about the whole thing, but yeah, the, I yeah can't agree with any of that though because the fact that the Miles is an idiot is supposed to be indicative of the character as well. That yeah, he is an idiot. Like he's he was he was a hanger on. He was you know a guy who took advantage of things. He doesn't. He's not the great creative himself. He's just an asshole who just was in the right place at the right time with the right people and stuff. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's a. It's a, it, yeah, it's missing all of the major points. Yeah, right. Yeah, and plus too. The, also, the fact that Ryan Johnson's playing with tropes. Yeah, everything about it, everything about the first Knives Out was based on tropes, and this one's all based on tropes too. And the fact that it's like, yeah, the, the actual, um, you know, the the misdirect and all that business of like saying that the the writer is actively misdirecting you as if, as if that doesn't happen and things. That's half the point of a of a mystery story is the, for the writer to misdirect you. What the hell are you talking about? Like, um, just like well, you just want to come out and say, like, here from wo- moment one, here is exactly the way the plot goes. There is it going to spoon feed you it in the most simple possible manner. Oh my god! That's yeah, I gotta talking. wonder what cop show mystery things he's watched. Yeah, <laughs> this is the kind of thing though. Of even watching like the tie into another Ryan Johnson project. Um, Star Wars. If you're just like, I spent a whole movie thinking that Darth Vader killed Luke Skywalker's father. Now you're telling me that he actually is his father. What the hell, man? You made me believe a whole thing, and now you tell me that none of that was true. Bad writing, apparently. Uh, oh man, but yeah, I think uh, Ben Shapiro is a man who constantly makes himself the uh, the butt of jokes on the internet, and nearly, literally every time his his finger touches a keyboard, it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's basically like his belt snapping and his trousers falling down. He seems to be a man getting off and humiliating himself on online. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, I, I just love the um, I love the fact then that post twist though that it does become a much simpler story, and then again it just it all ties into the fact that like let's call it glass onion for a reason, um. And uh, I did have a whole thing of um, waiting. I saw that title because uh, obviously I live currently in Liverpool, where we are mm. blasted with the Beatles all the time. Um, as soon as I seen that title, I was like, "Oh, I bet I know what song is going to play over the end credits." <laughs> and sure enough, there it was. As soon as the end credits, like, yeah. <laughs> so um, surprised it wasn't in the trailer. Quite quite honest with you. Um, but the uh, uh, but then the trailer would have to um, pay the rights, right? Yeah. Instead of just the movie. Yeah. It's just because I the st- I still remember um, because Knives Out was so heavily advertised. I never found out the name of the song. I know it's a Sinatra song, or it might not be. It might be another crooner. I'm sure Darren's screaming at the computer screen right now. But it was so and so. 
but that live until I die song. Just remember every time I went to the cinema for about six months, just that song <laughs> getting poured into your ears and like, knives out, it's coming, baby. Uh, and then to have glass on you and they'll be like, no, they just didn't actually use <laughs> the, 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 the title song. Um, it struck me as weird, but yeah, the Beatles, obviously, though, you have to pay for that. So uh, it might have been a tougher sell to get the studio to go like, well, we can sell this and just being a sequel to Knives Out. We don't need anything else. Okay. Um. I think it is Sinatra, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, fingers crossed. If, if I was right, then leave it in, Darren. <laughs> nah, leave it in regardless. Yeah. Um, now, the only other uh, thing in terms of, like, out of our um, spoiler remit that I wanted to mention was just that uh, I was indebted to this movie for giving me um, a good joke when it came out in that, um, of course, later on when they go to Miles' place, there's the hourly dong, uh, which mm. is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, and earlier that year, I had watched uh, Pammy and Tommy, you know, the, the Pamela Anderson uh, biopic TV show they made with Lily James and um, yeah. Sebastian Stan. Uh, and in that, there's a famous sequence where uh, Jason Manzukis from you know, the How Did This Get Made podcast and stuff, he, yeah. he, voice, he voices Tommy Lee's penis. And he's like, yes, it, I, yeah. Did, did you see it or did you watch it yourself? I didn't see it, but I knew about the role and the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that was a bit like, oh, Tommy Lee's giant twelve-inch penis is voiced by Jason Manzukis, uh, and I was so happy then to see like Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the voice of the dong because I was like, the, the the joke just wrote itself of like Jason Manzukis saying like I'm, I get the voice of giant dong this year, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt going like I'll hold my beer <laughs> kind of thing. So. Um, I just wanted, oh, I, made, really funny. I made that joke on Facebook and I got a few likes, but now I'm, I'm taking it out to a mass audience here. So uh, feel free to work it into your. Uh, I'm sure everyone's still talking about Glass Onion <laughs> so, uh, all these months later. So feel free to work it I into mean, your cocktail party uh, repertoire and whatnot. <laughs> they are because they're them and their friends are talking about um, this podcast and the minute by minute uh, analysis and discussion of glass oh, of course of course as they should be as they should be um and yeah yeah that's all about the kind of old spoilery things that um i can think of to talk about is there anything else you want yeah. to get into i mean Adele, did did you find the twist and ending satisfying oh yeah oh totally totally um i did feel that um the ending struck me as a bit too like well it's kind of like the it's kind of like just the ending of knives out again uh, it's, now it's just Janelle Monet instead of uh, Anna de Armas. Um, mm-hmm. That was my only kind of thing. I was like, oh, are all the films going to be like? Yeah, it's going to be the lone under the, the put-upon, ground-down female character is going to be like just standing triumphant at the end, uh, having defeated everyone I, around her. And I, it's like, you can do that every time you want, but I just about thought that like you want to mix yeah. it up a bit. <laughs> stuff. I mean, especially because obviously there's class elements to this and like the the revelation that they her and her sister were from more humble beginnings and they like pretended to be rich and that's how she like faked to when her sister got rich she acted like that all the time and that's how she could embody the character yeah um so actually it's it's like quite similar because she didn't get the lavish lifestyle of her sister so she's the like working class like tangential relation to the whole thing yeah yeah and she's winning it's basically um, yeah, the, I, the, the working the working class working class lady, uh, and even specifically working class minority lady, 
um, getting yeah. one up over the the rich assholes. It's like I mean I, I appreciate it as a message. I, I like seeing it, but it's just weird. Like oh yeah, two movies in a row. It's like the same exact ending. <laughs> so um, uh, that was my. I had it as like a you know a note when I watched it, but it wasn't like a complaint. It was just like a oh okay you know. Uh, but by all means, Ryan Johnson, if you want to keep doing that, then go ahead and do it. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I will say the like the explosiony stuff didn't resonate with me. Mm, yeah, I like I understood the metaphor, but like between it being kind of okay CGI, like it was uh, in places, especially the big places, but also just the the point and worry was this could really kill people <laughs> and then it just seemed so reckless and that benoit was like oh you can always suicide mission like that's potentially the problem we don't know the boundaries of this terrible thing yeah i thought it was like spectacle and i kind of get it from a maybe tropish sort of thing but i didn't think it landed yeah it felt a bit of kind of sequelitis in a way of like well you have to like make it bigger so we went you know, the budget's bigger so you went out from like the little enclave in New England or wherever, though the first mm-hmm. and there was a car chase in that. You know, there was a little bit of action, but then like now mm-hmm. it's that big exotic locale explosion. There has to be a massive explosion. Um, it just it really felt like yeah, well that's what you do when you have more money and a sequel. You go bigger. And it's like well, you don't have to do that though. Like it's you know the the strength of the first movie wasn't the car chase. It was the writing. It was the mystery of it. So um, again, though when we get Blanc on the moon. Uh, who knows? We might get like you know space battles or anything happening up there in, uh, in Knives Out 17 whenever we, whenever it lands. That, uh, we'll see, I guess. Yep. yep. Um, I think that's probably a good place for us to stop. Yep. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, folks, on our spoiler post wrap up. Uh, I'll remind you again: it's at, at Glass Onion Minute. And thank and uh, again, thanks, Niall. This has been a real fun week for me. Uh, and um, yeah. Any last words? Uh, no, no. It's just that it's been uh, it's been a pleasure recording with you as well, Adele. So, uh, thank you to Darren for introducing us. And I'll see you, listeners, in your ears <laughs> in a week. I guess I think. Wait, not in a week. In in seven weeks. I think that's how that works. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you have to come back for for, for more. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a regular host. Uh guest host whatever you want to call it um i'm the third in the seven cycles i think okay okay so should be seven uh three ten etc yeah anyway doesn't matter um thanks again uh and yeah uh we'll catch you all guys later do with that what you will darren